Do you want to tell them or do you want me to tell them? <sighs> I, I, I want to tell them. Well, can we tell them at the same time? Yeah. Okay, on the count of three. One, two. We're going on tour! Wow. Do you see how you have chiseled away at my trust? Down, bitches, we are going back on tour! That's right. Starting in early January, we will be coming to Nashville. Chicago. D.C. And Seattle. That- oh, my so listen, all you have to do to get tickets is go to our website, disappearedpod.com, and you get all the details. Okay, so listen, this is a completely new show. We love you, Scoop Daniels. No, we don't. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, we you don't love choke. you. But we're moving on, and we are bringing you something completely new. So if you saw us on tour this fall or at Obsessed Fest, this is a whole new show. And y'all, tickets are on sale now. Get tickets. We are so excited. We I cannot express to you the amount of love that we felt on tour and at Obsessed Fest. Joey and I love being live on stage together. And most of all, we love seeing your faces. We really do. And I promise you, we want to say hi to you. We want to squeeze you. Come and see. We can't wait. Get your tickets. Yahoo! Okay. Get it over with. What? Go ahead. What? I... Fine. Just start the episode. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Something you'd like to say, dear? Spit it out. Nothing. I'm totally fine. I don't even care that you went to Disney World without me. I don't even care at all. I don't even care a little bit. There it is. Okay, what? No, start the episode. It's fine. Do you want to have a nice episode with me? Did you bring me back a Mickey cookie, the shortbread cookie dipped in chocolate that you know I love? You know what I brought you? Did you you bring me back the Mickey cookie with the chocolate dipped shortbread? Welcome to Obsessive Disappeared, the podcast where Joey and I talk about our favorite show and we watch it and then we recap it and then we just try and make it a little bit more palatable because it's about missing people. It is about missing people. And, you know, I feel very fortunate that we get to spend time together and also spend time with all of you, but also bring attention to these cases that sometimes have gone cold. Absolutely. And I get to do it with you. I would have liked to have spent more time with you in another state like Florida, but that's a fine. We didn't last month. What else do you want from me? If you want more Joey and I, you can find us on the Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus content and our ad-free content. That is going to be changing. I think you're going to like some of the changes that we're going to be bringing you to the Drama Club in the future. That's what we call our Patreon. Should we just tell them the name of our new podcast? No, we're not allowed to. Oh, no. I'm just going to tell them. Okay. I just think that they should have. Okay. On the count of three, we'll say it. Ready? One, One, two, two, three. But if you want more Joey and I, we have over 100 episodes ready for you to download and binge. All you have to do is go to the Patreon link on our website and we'll hang out with you a little bit more because, I don't know, are you going to go hang out with some people for Thanksgiving that you don't want to hang out with? You can put your earphones on and pull your hair down and no one will even know. You guys, you know you're obsessed with us and we're obsessed with you. It's okay. Let's get to the episode. (laughs) Season 9, episode 10, Last Stop, tells the story of the disappearance of Tabitha Tudor. A fun-loving teenager leaves for school and never comes home. So I knew then something was wrong because she was always on time. Throwing her parents into a living nightmare. I didn't want to know that this was really happening. I was really hysterical. A puzzling piece of evidence leaves investigators baffled. There was a note with initials on it indicating like it was someone maybe that Tabitha had a crush on. 
and disturbing theories surrounding her disappearance deepen the mystery. This lady said, have the police look at this man because he had my daughter. Leaving her family in agony. It has been an emotional roller coaster since day one. I would drive around looking for her. Couldn't find her. It about drove me crazy. Oh, God, it's another teenager. I know. It's really sad. Okay, so we're all going to do it. We're going to get through this together. Here we are. It's, it's April 29th, 2003 in East Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, where I like to go to comedy clubs and mm-hmm. perform for lovely podcast listeners wearing no underwear. <laughs> That's what happened. I forgot my underwear in Nashville at Zany's Comedy Club, and people saw some shit. And every time you would change legs, like cross your legs, it would go, I actually love Nashville. I thought the people of Nashville were so nice, and it's like a real trendy place to move right now. Did you know that? Yeah, Nashville has changed a lot in the past 15 years. Also, it's gotten very expensive. Yeah, well, I have a question for really more like the state of Tennessee. So you know how every state has like a thing. You know, Virginia is for lovers, Nebraska... We got football. Um, (laughs) I don't know. So Tennessee is the volunteer state. Uh And like even like the University of Tennessee is like the University of Tennessee volunteers. And I don't know how like my brain works, but like I just always want to be in like meetings. Like I want to be in the meeting like where that happens. You know what I mean? Like Oh, about when they decided to call it the state of volunteers? Yeah. Like I just want them to be like, so we got to think of a mascot. So, like, everyone muster up all your ideas. And one guy was like, yeah, I'll volunteer. He's like, perfect, great. Who wants barbecue? And he's like, Dale, Clyde, you want barbecue? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't saying, like, we should be called the volunteers. They're like, no, 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 that was perfect. Who wants brisket? And he got home that night and was like, honey, I think I did something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I was saying I want to volunteer. What's New York? The state? It's the Big Apple. It is the Big Apple. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Anyway. And what's um, California? California. Uh, Florida's the sunshine state. Yeah, California is... It's the state of California. Joey, we hear all the shit you talk, and you're not welcome here anyway. Okay. I don't know when they changed that. Right. Mayor Gavin Workshop Newsom. that, and we'll come back to it Governor at the end Gavin of the episode. <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty sure I'm emotionally about to go downhill yeah, from we're, this we episode. Are, so we are, I'm, I'm we're procrastinating is what we're doing, because it is it is a little, it is sad. I mean, it's always sad. It's the morning of April 29th, 2003, in East Nashville, Tennessee. 13-year-old seventh grader Tabitha Tudors is preparing for the school day. She was a good student. She made straight A's. I would help her with her math homework. When I was in school, I was pretty good in math. He was better at math than me, so I sent her to him. Tabitha had a good relationship with her dad. Well, so we hear about 13-year-old Tabitha Tudor, who on this morning, she's getting ready for school, and Mama Deborah is here, y'all. She is about to break all y'all's heart with her sweet little accent and yes. her little crackling voice. I want to hug can't, her so bad. Dad Bo is here, and he said he would help Tabitha with her math homework because, as Mama Deborah says, yeah, he was better at that than me. I- 
And I'm like, same. Not only am I really bad at math, I have a really like bad relationship with math. Why? Well, because like I have like a lot of trauma around learning math. My brain just didn't math. Same. I would cry and my dad was really good at math. And he used to take a pencil on the tip of my head and be like, what aren't you understanding? And like hit me on the head every time. And I literally would say, I'm not kidding. I would go, all of it. Oh. Like, I just didn't understand. What like, a piece of shit. Do I need to beat up your dad? I mean, if you can find him. But have you <laughs> fucking tried new math, though? No, and I don't want to fuck with new math. No, again, I want to be present for that meeting where they were like, we got to figure out some stuff. And someone's like, poverty? And they're like, no. And they're like, climate change? They're like, no. They're like, hunger, transphobia, homophobia, racism. racism, lack of education, bodily autonomy. They're like, some guy in the back's like, how about math? <laughs> and they're like... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we should reassess. Let's the fix math. math. Listen, I have never enjoyed it. A squared plus B to the third power equals who gives a friar's fuck? I don't know. Teach me how to avoid crazy people. That is something <laughs> I could use in life. That's... I don't care about algebra, geometry, trigonometry. Yeah. Go and fuck yourself. Wow. Yeah. But I'm fine. Tapta was always the entertainer, I think, when she was a younger baby. She would always have this like little funny face that she would make and she would like breathe in and out and of course it got the entire room laughing. One, two. Play hide and go seek or read joke books, constant laughing and we'd had fights too. <laughs> but yeah, she wanted to be just like me. Sister Jamie is here rocking a sublime undercut, might I add. I mean, come on. She's yeah. giving a pompadour. Yeah. I mean, she's here, and not everyone can rock that hairstyle. No, she looks great. Yeah. She's here, and she said just, like, how sweet and silly they were. Reenactment, did you see this? Reenactment, Jamie, and reenactment, Tabitha, when she was saying, like, they had so much fun. Well, they play hide-and-go-seek in the reenactment, and Tabitha is a terrible hider. <laughs> like, because reenactment Jamie is sitting on the couch and she puts her, like, hands over her eyes, which, by the way, just close your eyes. Because if you do this, <laughs> I think you're cheating. Don't put your, like, fake mittens over your eyes and pretend like you're like, one, two. So already reenactment wow. Jamie is a cheater. So many rules. I, well, I mean, you're, you're going to look. One, two. Too. So then reenactment Tabitha tiptoes around and she like looks around and then she goes and she hides in the chair right across reenactment Jamie. I was like, obviously you're supposed to go to the coat closet, put the coats in front of you, or go hide in the shower and pull the shower curtain, you fucking amateur. Wow. You're supposed to go in the closet, hide behind the coats, go to Narnia, and they'll never find you. <laughs> it's true. She was like, you coach one kid. She, and was, look what happens. she was like tiptoeing and she's like, go behind the chair. It was so We bad. can call ID tomorrow and, and formally lodge a complaint. I'm just saying, that you're an amateur. That was a terrible hiding spot. Tabitha is especially close to her mom. Tabitha wasn't a particular 13-year-old. She was more like an 8-year-old. My car we couldn't even roll out of the driveway without her wanting to be in it. So she went everywhere as I went. She was a cut-up, always cutting up, joking. She got that from her daddy. It wasn't from me. She'd get in the car, and she'd be singing to the music. She liked singing. So, and Mama Deborah says that she and Tabitha were very close. Yeah. In fact, she says, She hung on me like a leech. <laughs> I laughed so hard because so there is nothing better than a Southern woman with Southern sayings. I mean, Dolly Parton and Steel Magnolias. 
with a, honey, we're going to be busier than a one-arm paper hanger today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who even comes up with that? Dolly Parton. Well. So we also learned that Tabitha was a member of the choir. I want to know if she sang Man in the Mirror. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> she wanted to be a singer. Yeah. Now, the Tudors say their neighborhood was up and coming, but it did have some tougher areas. And, well, Jamie's a little more blunt about it. She's like, in 2003, East Nashville was not exactly where a place you wanted to live. Right. But she's like, we grew up there. It's what we knew. So I actually felt safe, even though there was some crime. The family says, like, they never really had any issues. Right. And because Tabitha was, like, quite a bit younger, they were really, really overprotective of her. Yeah. But also, Tabitha was really clingy to her parents. She slept on the floor in her parents' room. At the foot of their bed. At the foot of the bed, because she just wanted to be close to them I was like oh precious baby I know and when mama Deborah was like so I just I just let her I know but I kind of love it like when Lola was little and she used to have a nightmare and she used to like come into my bed I was like okay I know (laughs) I love it like when my cats come and crawl into the bed and then they cuddle me and and they're like okay yeah no I'm not doing this so um I thought that was really sweet so back to the morning of April 29th Tabitha's mother gets up for work early I worked with Metro Schools in the cafeteria. I got up at 5. And at 7 o'clock, I woke Tabitha up and told her, uh, get on up, baby, so you can get ready for school. Tabitha was in good spirits after getting her school report card the previous day. It had always on it. Her father, Bo, heads to work at 7 a.m., and Tabitha spends the next few minutes reveling in her good grades. Mama Deborah worked at the school cafeteria. Bless her oh, heart. Oh, man. Because that is not easy work, and kids are disgusting. They're so gross. They will sneeze. Che- Thank God for the sneeze guards. Because yeah. they will sneeze Cheetos right into your mac and cheese. Yeah. They're disgusting. Anyway, so Mama Deborah had to wake up at 5 a.m. every day. That morning was no different. She woke up, and there's Tabitha sleeping on the floor. She walks over her, gets ready, and leaves for work. Yeah. And then Papa Bo wakes up Tabitha at around 7. Now, she had just gotten her report card. She'd gotten all A's. So she's kind of, like, dancing around with her report card and, like, reading it over and over again. She's super proud. And then at about 7.50 a.m., Tabitha heads to school. So she was going to take the bus. Did you take the bus to school? Oh, yeah. I never took a bus a day in my really? life. Nope, we didn't have school buses. Oh, I got in a fight at the school bus stop. Of course you did. Well, he hit my sister. Oh, oh, okay. That tracks. So, but the school bus was close. Now, this is really interesting because Mama Deborah was, you know, you never know who's like out of school, in school, went early, got dropped by their parents. Mama Deborah was like, go to the bus stop closest to our house. But if there's no kids there, there's another bus stop, like a block down. Walk there. Just make sure you're waiting with kids. Yeah, don't be by your And also, I just want to go back and say, too, her parents both had to leave for work. So Mm -hmm. she was home by herself. Literally, it was just a a five-minute walk. Right. A five-minute walk. And so they didn't see her. They would say goodbye, but they didn't see her leave and go to the bus stop. Yeah, including Sister Jamie, who was in the house at that time. So then everyone goes about their day, and Mama Deborah gets home at about 1.30. She's expecting Tabitha home at about 4, and she didn't come home. Mama Deborah's like, hmm. So she goes out and peeks at the bus. Nobody's there. And she's like, all right, well, I guess I'll swing by the school. I drove up to the school and I banged on the door and banged on the door. One of the teachers gives her some alarming news. Tabitha wasn't on the bus that morning and she never made it to school. Trying not to panic, Deborah heads home and calls Tabitha's friends to see if she's at one of their houses. But no one has seen her all day. Tabitha actually was never in school today 
And also, she didn't ride the bus this morning. Yeah, my only follow-up question to that is... Why didn't the, the school call when her? We were, when we were absent in school, we got a call at home. Always. I mean, like, now I now it's email. For Lola, it was email. 2003, I don't know, that's kind of a toss-up. But if we weren't in school, my mom would get a call. We always got a call. You were never going to skip school at my school yeah. because they would call you. So the fact that Mama Deborah found out... Remember, she's only 13 years old. She's in the seventh grade. Yeah. Why didn't someone say, oh, is Tabitha sick today? And call. Yeah. Especially since Mama Deborah worked for the school system. Yeah, it's very odd. So, uh, you know, she's trying hard not to panic. She runs home, calls Tabitha's friends to see if maybe she went to a friend's house. But no one had seen her all day. And then Papa Bo gets home around 10, 10 minutes till 5 p.m. And he's panicking. And then Mama Deborah calls Sister Jamie and she's like, how's your undercut going? And she's like, Mom... I don't have it yet. It's 2003. <laughs> but she's like, hey, what was Tabitha wearing? And Jamie, Jamie is me because she goes, I didn't see. Why? If someone asks me a weird question out of the blue, you oh, right. wait a second and my next question is going to be why. Yeah. You ask why a lot. I do. Yeah. Have you noticed that or are you just noticing that because I say that? Oh, I've always noticed it. Do you really? Yeah. Give me a for instance. Or a why or a where or a how. You love a how. Like, how much? A... Especially a how much. Well, you know I love saving money. Look at these chairs. And yeah, oh, those are cute. How much did you pay for them? You always say Look that. Look at this sweater. That sweater is cute. How much did you pay for it? I did not. But I would never. I would only ask that. Oh, you're like going a to Disney friend. World? How how much was your flight? I didn't say that. You you no you did it. But you do love you do you're a question asker. Yeah, and I like saving money. <laughs> If I'm not judging like, you. I got it for three hundred. I'm like, oh really? I used a coupon and got it for one twenty. Anyway. Oh, uh, so really, you just want to brag? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So then, Mama Deborah has to tell Sister Jamie she's missing. Not only does she say your sister is missing, she's like, we're calling the police. Yeah. At six p.m., a now frantic Deborah calls the police to report Tabitha missing. By the time the police were called, she had already been gone for eight or nine hours uh, from her bus stop. The tutors tell police officers that they just found out Tabitha wasn't in school all day and hasn't been seen since the morning. If she were abducted, that gives a suspect, you know, eight to 10 hours head start. She's been missing for like nine hours. Yeah. Which is scary because whatever is happening, they have a head start. I mean, I guess 10 hours isn't bad considering the past couple of episodes that we've covered because it doesn't seem like 10 hours is a lot, but it is. So this is where we meet Detective Stephen Jolly, who has tried to change his name several times. I'll <laughs> beg you not to ask him about it. Also, Sister Jamie is wicked smart. She should be a detective because she's like, I didn't see her leave, but I did her laundry. And folded it. Yeah, that's like the nicest. I never did shit like that for my brothers. <laughs> I, like, why are... Well, sim- you were the youngest. No, I was the oldest. You're the oldest? I'm the oldest. I just look the youngest. <laughs> I really thought you were the youngest. What? Yeah. I am so the oldest. I just look really Turns young. Turns out there's some questions I forgot to ask. Clearly. No, but I would never, ever do my brother's laundry. Like, I don't even know why. We were so mean. We're very close now, but we were so mean to each other as siblings. Yeah, but also, who wants to wash 
a teenage boy's underwear. No. I don't need to go down no. the Dingleberry Derby. No. No, thank you. You're, they nasty, disgusting. Everything's covered in sweat and semen. This There's is not so, what I want. If my brothers were to be like, can you do my laundry? I'd be like, can you put your face out in a campfire? <laughs> no, I can't do your laundry. Can you do my laundry? No, but you can choke. Yeah. So, but Sister Jamie is very nice. But what she did was, what's important about that is she said, I did her laundry. Let me see what's missing. She figured it out by process of elimination. Okay, Nancy fucking Drew. That was Go great. On, Sister Jamie. It was great. So, so Sister Jamie's like, she's wearing a blue top. I think she took her white keds and I think she's wearing jeans. Boom. Sister Jamie, you have a job. I mean, good for her. Investigators do an initial search of the Tudor's house. They went through some stuff, fingerprints. They took her hairbrush, her toothbrush, to do a DNA. I had told them that her money was still here, and even her door key was still here. She didn't take her door key that morning, because I was always here when she got home. She didn't take anything with her. Yeah. But still, hold on to your butt. Hold on to your fucking butts. Go. I Just say it. Just yes. say it. Get it over with. They don't put out an Amber Alert for her because they're yeah. like, well, she's too old and we think she might have run away, so... They say that in order for an Amber Alert, there needs to be a reason that she was abducted or a fear that she would be in danger. I was like, well, she's not here. She's been missing for 10 hours. And, like, I feel like it's safe to say that she's probably in danger because, listen, Mr. Holly Jolly, she's fucking 13 years old. And, like, he also has a massive vein running down the center of his forehead, which is, like, taking all of my attention. But <laughs> there is no possibility that this child who sleeps at the foot of her mother's bed every night... I don't understand the reluctance on the police department's uh, part to just be like, I don't really want to... We're going to wait. Yeah. She's a child. Yeah. She's 13, 13 years old. And they said there's a possibility that she left of her own free will. I was like, okay, Lieutenant Dipshit, there's a possibility I rode my fucking unicorn here today and I took shots of tequila with my grandmother who came back from the fucking grave over at the Houndstooth fucking pub. But we know that didn't fucking happen. What? <laughs> what? I'm just saying, all like, these scenarios. the possibility, oh, like, I there's know, also a possibility I went to a bat mitzvah with Santa Claus this weekend. Like, yes, I, I'm a possibility you. that a 13-year-old, and she was, like, a young 13-year-old. Yes. Like, she was a little girl. You know, there's, like, older 13-year-olds, yes. you know? I'm sorry. Like, well, what I'm, I don't understand how, to, what are the varying degrees of danger for a missing child? Yeah. 10 hours. And that she was, like, in some kind of danger. Anybody that a kid doesn't know is dangerous. Absolutely. If Brenda, the fucking neighbor who always makes the pumpkin pie that's got like a little bit of cat hair in it, but you eat it anyway out of respect, <laughs> that's not a dangerous person. I mean, she's, you know, she's dangerous with the cat hair. Anybody else is dangerous. Agreed. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, do, you like, do you like how he just got, agreed. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm hey, like, uh, can I ask you a question? Do you guys carry that pumpkin pie with the cat hair in it? Is that, do y'all have like that? Just like a little bit and you're like, oh, Brenda, this is, this is delicious. <laughs> no, 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 it's mine. No, this is mine. This is mine. It's delicious. It's so good. Oh, God. Police know that time is of the essence. They execute a search along a five-mile radius, touching the nearby Cumberland River and Shelby Park. 
they did a pretty substantial search that night. Concerned people from the Tudor's neighborhood pitch in to help. They were all searching everything with flashlights. And then the whole community came together when they found out about it and helped look for her. And folks from the community also pitch in to help with the search. And Mama Deborah was like, there are people I had never even seen before, yeah. met, talked to, that were all helping to find my child. It was very meaningful. Yeah. But she's like, I couldn't leave the house because I didn't, what if she came home? Right. And she was so moved by yeah. people helping. I can only imagine. But yeah, you know, she didn't look for her. And sometimes I feel like it's like, you can't judge people by the way Not they cope a little in bit. such no. a traumatic situation. So they go to bed, no Tabitha, and they yeah. wake up, no Tabitha. Oh, So the cops come back, and they really start to do like a deep dive into her bedroom. Yes, and they find a little note that Tabitha had written, and it said, TDT and MTL. You know, kind of like, instead of the heart, it was the N. Like, you know, if, if it were you and me, it would be, you know, E-M-M and J-S-T. Right. God, I had to really think yeah. about my own. Yeah. It would be E M M and C M F. Do you know what Blanche Devereaux's initials are? If you didn't sleep with any of the men in these journals, then how come it says bed on the cover? Oh, <laughs> that doesn't say bed. Right there, it does. Oh, silly, those are my initials. Blanche Elizabeth Devereaux. <laughs> Your initials spell bed? So. TDT is Tabitha, and her middle name is Danielle Tudors. So it was like she had a little crush, but no one knows who MTL is. Right. Put a pin in that. Yep. An unrelated tip surfaces involving a possible eyewitness to Tabitha's disappearance. There was a child that went to school with her. He told police that he seen her get into a red car. The 11-year-old classmate of Tabitha's says that he was waiting at the second bus stop at 15th Street and Boscobel when he saw Tabitha walking toward him from 14th Street. And then a car appeared next to her. And she got into a red car. Yeah. And the boy says, I saw the driver, and he described him as being uh, African-American wearing a baseball cap. And she got in of her own free will. Yes. Like, she wasn't pulled in or anything. Yes. All they knew was that it was a red car. There was no make, no model, no... Right. The description was very vague other than the red car. Right. And the parents are like, I mean, she wouldn't do that. We taught her not to get into the car with strangers. But have you ever seen... You all, if you haven't Watch this. It's on like TikTok and stuff. There's a guy who goes up to parents and he's like, have you seen this? And he'll say, do you think your kids will will leave with me? And they're like, no way. They know not to leave with strangers. And he goes, I'm doing a social experiment. Can I try? And it's all filmed. And this guy does it. And... These kids walk away with this. No. Man. Oh, you have to what watch What does he say? He's got a puppy with him. He's got candy. But he goes to the parents first. And he says, can I do this experiment? And they're like, yeah, sure you can. But my kids aren't going to go. I have chills thinking about it. And he'd be like, he'll say, oh, he'll have like a leash. He'll be like, have you seen my little puppy? This is what it looks like. Can you come help me find it? And the kids are like, yeah. You all have, have to seen, watch it. No, I have seen that. I believe. I don't remember it's the circumstances. It's on YouTube, yes. TikTok. But you know, you just never know unless you're in the moment what somebody will do. You can yeah. say something to your kids a million times. 
And that one time, you know, who, who, I'll yeah. to say who knows. So now the police are thinking Tabitha must have gotten to the car between the two bus stops. So the detectives are like, all right, let's get the cadaver dogs, see if we can confirm this story. And they start at the home, the Tudor home, and the dogs lead, they get her sent, and they, it leads them all the way to the middle of the block from the 14th Street bus stop to the 15th Street bus stop. And that's where the trail goes cold. <laughs> and that poor little boy was like, that's what I, I, told, that's you. What I told you. So then Sister Jamie was like, based on what the dogs told us, it's pretty sure that she started at that bus stop and went to the second bus stop. And that poor kid's like, <laughs> I mean, literally. That poor little boy is like, no one's listening to me. But also, that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So, another woman in the neighborhood also saw Tabitha walking that day. Well, two neighbors. Yeah. And two classmates. There were four people that positively yeah. identified seeing Tabitha that morning. So, they were thinking of the description. They're like, black guy, slim, and he was wearing a baseball cap. And they were like, Jamie's boyfriend matches that description. Yeah. I was like, twist. I guess anyone can have an undercut. Investigators started kind of taking a look at Jamie's boyfriend at the time. My boyfriend at the time was a black gentleman. He lived with Jamie in the Tudor's home some months before Tabitha went missing. They just questioned him because of the dark colored skin with the ball hat. I mean, he wore ball hats. Detectives find that Jamie's boyfriend was aware of Tabitha's routine and where she got on the bus each morning. So Jamie's ex-boyfriend had lived with the Tudor family for a while. And so they're thinking, well, you match the description. Yeah. And also, you would know what the routine was. Because she did have a very, very specific routine every and morning. she would trust him. Because exactly, she knew to get him. In the car. Anybody who you, you know, you know, you trust them. Because again... From the eyewitness accounts, she got in willingly. Yeah. But it turns out he had an alibi for that morning. They gave him a polygraph. He passed. And then he was ruled out as a suspect. Right. So then they go back to the paper, and they, they're thinking MTL, these initials. And I was like, obviously, Mary Tyler Lore. But um, the fuck? they can't figure out anything. So one little girl comes forward and was like, actually, one day Tabitha and I went to the library and got on the chat room. Yeah. Ugh. Very scary. And so immediately the investigators go down to that library. The little girl points out the computer that they were on, and they take that computer in as evidence. Right. And they're doing a you know forensic investigation, but it takes time. Put a pin in that. So then another mother comes forward and was like, listen, I don't want to get you really worried, but I have a really horrible story to tell you, and it involves a man named Paul Davis. So seven years ago, would have been 1996, he took this really creepy interest in my 10-year-old daughter. And, like, <sighs> I can't. And, like, he was in his late 20s, and I I got I got two sentences in, and, like, the flames yep. on the side of my face were breathing, yep. headless, burning breath. Well, he landed on her radar very quickly because she went to go pick up her 10-year-old, and she was like, why were you talking to that man? The 10-year-old was like, oh, he has nieces and nephews that go here. It's no big deal. And that mama was like, nope. One year later, in 1997, she says that the situation got worse when her older, 13-year-old daughter ran away from home. The mother's first thought was that Davis might have had something to do with it. When she realized that her daughter had left, she went up to her room and started searching through her things, and she found this individual's name written on several notes or were love letters written to him. The woman's daughter came back home two days later, 
but her mother was convinced that Davis had had inappropriate contact with her daughter. When her daughter ran away, she went into her daughter's room and found love letters that her 13-year-old daughter had written to this oh, adult my man. stomach. I literally... So they bring Paul Davis in. Turns out he had already served time for statutory rape. So on the day that Tabitha went missing, this guy, Paul, was in Kentucky, which is like three, I don't know, doing Kentucky things, whatever y'all do in Kentucky. (laughs) But it was like three and a half hours away. So they were like, is that something? Well, then they confirmed that he had taken a trip to Nashville around the time that Tabitha had gone missing. But then his sister came up forward and was like, no, no, no. He was in Kentucky with me that day that she went missing. And so he was removed as a person of interest, but he's still a piece of shit. Yeah, he's still disgusting, and I'm unclear as to why he's not in prison. So right now, Jamie and Mama Deborah are showing us all of these things they made for Tabitha. They love their accessories. They had bracelets. They had buttons. They had shirts. Anything that wasn't nailed down, they were putting this baby girl's face on. And they just, they worked so hard, and they had so many. They were diligent. Oh, my gosh. They had Oh, and they were looking at them all. And lots of tips come in, but sadly, they're all dead ends. And I'm just going to say, Mama Deborah says, you know, I would walk the riverbanks near our house and just walk up and down. Or I would, you know, search the neighborhood, all trying to just find her. Yeah. Just trying to find her in any way. So over the next few months, tips would come in with sightings, but none of them turned out to be legitimate until September 12th, 2003, five months after Tabitha's disappearance. Yeah, this is so weird. So now we're dealing with a man by the name of Millard Earl Smith. Already my skin is crawling. Nashville police arrest a man named Millard Earl Smith and charge him with the rape of a 17-year-old girl. The circumstances of the crime make detectives wonder if Smith could be involved in Tabitha's disappearance. I heard that he uh, he lived on Fessers Lane, which is about four miles from here. They thought that being he was out doing this, that he might have had something to do with Tabitha missing. He actually made the statement that he is a predator. So he was arrested with charges of rape. And he lived about four miles from the family. Now, this is what happened. This is so weird to me. Explain to them what happened. It is really sadistic. Now, I want to say that this girl was 17 years old. Yeah. She was walking with her boyfriend, uh, and he was on his motorcycle, saw them, came up to them and was like, hey, it's raining, because it was. Yeah. He's like, let me give you a ride. He's like, I just, but I can only do it one at a time. And so he takes the boyfriend first, gives him a ride, drops him off God knows where, goes back, picks up the girlfriend, brings her back to his trailer where he sexually assaulted her. There are so many questions about yeah. that. So so he takes the boyfriend. The boyfriend's like, you sit here in the rain. You chill and get wet. I'm going to go with this guy. Then I'm going to get into the dry. And then I'm going to leave you alone to be assaulted. I'm very confused because I'm confused there's by the whole of, thing. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in this story. Yes. And I mean, listen, he doesn't match the description of no. what the 
little boy said was the person that went away with Tabitha. But he had also been convicted of kidnapping and solicitation of a minor, which begs the question. I I know I'm not that smart, but why was he out on the street? I have no idea. I mean, like... And he described himself as a predator. Yeah. That's what he said about himself. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I feel like... I'm going to get a lot of amens from the congregation on this one. But, like, anybody involved in any kind of sexual activity with a child, I think needs to be behind bars for the rest of their lives. I, I'm, I'm a deeply sympathetic person. I'm, no, I'm not. That was that was a lie. I just lied to you all. But, like, not <laughs> when it comes to kids. No. Like, I mean, I know there's overcrowding in our jails, but how about we let everybody who's in there for, like, marijuana charges, I'd even let the shoplifters back out sure. to ensure that child predators really have a seat for the rest of their fucking lives and all they're eating is sloppy joes and pudding for the rest of their lives. Why was this man on the street? I, I have don't no understand. idea. And part of the reason that they brought him in for questioning is that they found out at one time he worked for his brother because he drove a motorcycle. He worked for his brother servicing cars, so he would have had access to right. possibly, possibly a red a car. Red car. So yeah. while this is all happening, the results from the forensic exam of the library computer come in. And basically, sadly, there were too many people who had used the computer since Tabitha was on it. So any evidence that they... I don't get that. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. They that. said it was covered up. I feel like the megahertz and the bytes and the, the mega data and the hertz. Mega doo-doo. The, the mega... So I feel like it's there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know shit about shit, but I do know that that shit doesn't go away and be careful who you send your nudes to. Well, I, I think we both can attest to that. In the meantime... Millard Smith denies any involvement in Tabitha's disappearance. He says he was on a camping trip with family at the time. Though his alibi is never confirmed by police, Smith passes a polygraph test, and investigators can find no evidence linking him to Tabitha. He was investigated thoroughly, interviewed, polygraphed, and he really cannot be completely eliminated as a person of interest. So they sit down with this predator who I I want them to play just like a massive game of Red Rover where they're like, Red Rover, Red Rover, send your pedos right over and sucking stay here. I mean, it is insane. Well, also, he was like, that wasn't me. I was camping with my family at the time. They can't confirm his alibi, but he passes a polygraph. I I know how much you love Polly. I recognize I have no power in this world to do anything other than to scream into a microphone, but I would like to stop using polygraphs. Yeah, they're not even submissible. Admissible, my love. What did I say? You said submissible. Well, <laughs> I am tired. Anyway, three years pass and nothing. Mama Deborah is slowly breaking my heart. And she says, like, I can still feel her with me. I can still see her with me. This woman, her sweet little voice when it crackles. Oh, my gosh. But she was like, I mean, would I drive in the car? She's like, people probably think I'm crazy, but, like, I really can hear her singing, you know? And it was a very, I I do, too. It was a sweet moment. And I will say, like, the family really believes in Detective Jolly. They are really behind him. I know 
I'm not so convinced by him, but he does say, he's like, look, I have a 13 year old daughter and I can't even imagine what this is like for them. And I want to be the one to give answers to the family. It's really easy for me to like, you know, sit in my swivel chair of judgment and say that, you know, he's not doing enough because at the end of the day, these families need to cling on to hope. They need to cling on to something and he's the one offering that. So I'm not passing judgment on them. I was really upset by that whole, like she possibly might be a runaway thing. Yeah, that that left a very bad taste in my mouth. And maybe he wasn't involved in that, but it is very fucking annoying. Yeah, and they're much more understanding than I am, and I recognize that yeah. because I'm a piece of fucking work. And also, let me tell you something. I do not subscribe to the idea of, well, this is just how we've always done it. Life changes, uh, work changes, things evolve, situations evolve. Go back and look at it and be like, does this still work? Mm-hmm. Does this still help people? I think rules can, you know, things like that can always be reexamined yeah. and be made better. Yeah. And so did any of that make sense? Sure. We'll see. So fast forward to 2008, five years after Tabitha's disappearance, the police asked the local newspaper to run a story on Tabitha to get her case back into the public eye. This is all really weird. It is fucking weird, dude. Nashville news outlets publish a plea for new information. And a brand new tip comes in directly to the Tudor's family. My niece opened up a tattoo shop and... uh, This guy came in there and was telling her that Tabitha had gotten into a green car. He was riding his bike, and he stated that Tabitha did, in fact, get into a green car that morning. He said it was parked at the bus stop at 15th and Boscoville. And a guy came in and said to her, you know, I was reading up the story of Tabitha, and it actually wasn't a red car that she got into. It was a green car. My guy. This happened five years ago. Why are you just now coming forward with this information? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and green, red. I mean, if it was green and blue, I mean, the whole, like, navy blue, black versus gold, white dress fiasco. Remember? Yeah, because it was navy blue and black. I don't care. I have no stakes in this game. Do you remember what it was, though? I don't know. I think think it was a a sham. I think some people got the blue and black no, dress. And no, said, okay. okay. All right. They Happy couldn't, to be here. They couldn't track anything down. I was like, okay, you just added chaos to the conversation. You really didn't add information to the conversation. Yeah, well, the police posted it everywhere on social media. Yeah. And so now we fast forward all the way to 2016, February 10th to be exact, 13 years after Tabitha disappeared, and investigators get a tip about the green car when a local woman says she realized someone she knew owned a car fitting that description back in 2003. The young lady contacted me and said that she knew of a Hispanic male that lived within just a few blocks of the Tudors that lived in a duplex uh, and drove a green car. And police recognize that over the years, this isn't the first time that name has come up in the investigation. Tabitha knew a man by the name of Juan that was 19 at the time she disappeared, that lived down the street from her, and that she would sometimes go down there while Bo was taking a nap in the afternoon, and that she allegedly smoked cigarettes with him. And it was someone that Tabitha knew. It was a 19-year-old by the name of Juan. And it's said that they hung out together and that they smoked cigarettes together. And but this wh- is all alleged. Right. It, it all seems very odd. And, like, it apparently, like, Juan knew she had disappeared and didn't. 
I, I get very confused whenever people throw these like wrenches into the story like that. Well, it was Juan's mother-in-law. Right. She said all this stuff. So they find him. And, you know, now Juan was living in, in Louisville, Kentucky, three and a half hours away. They find him. They interrogate him. He does confirm that he used to drive this green car that belonged to his friend. But they can't find the car. They give him a poly. He passes. And Juan tells the cops, like, my mother-in-law embellish this story. Her account is not accurate at all. Eventually leading the cops to eliminate him as a suspect. And I'm like, what a fucking waste of time. What a waste of time and resources and energy. But we're going to label her as a runaway for the first however long they did it. When they said it was a mother-in-law, didn't you think it was like a little like revenge? Oh, absolutely. I hate that my brain went there, but I was like, oh, I mean, there are people who who do crazy things. You and I know that better than anybody. There's a lot of people out there with malicious intent. Yeah, you're going to catch a cold with that ice in your heart, baby. And um, so now, you know, the family is just kind of at a loss and they're thinking of all the things that they've missed in her life, her high school graduation, her getting her license or the things that she would be doing now. And then, oh my gosh, when Papa Bo says that they've kept her room the same. Oh God, it got me. It just, it was literally frozen in time. Yeah, yeah. And we see it. I mean, we see it frozen in time. Like her it, it it really was just, it struck me as, I wasn't expecting to see that, but we see a sign that says Tabitha on it. And I'm like thinking, she probably drew yeah, that. Yeah, And it's just been up there. I, yeah. it, it's just so sad. No, no one deserves this. And the fact that they don't have any answers, there are no clues. There's no leads. There's nothing. Yeah, nothing. And so they show us the like age progression, you know, software, the technology of what she would look like now. And they never had a good night's sleep. And Tabitha would be 32 now. Jesus. And this is put forth to the FBI. And there is a $50,000 reward for any information leading to the recovery of Tabitha Tudors or the prosecution of the person or people that might be responsible for her disappearance. So if you have any information, about Tabitha Tudors, you are asked to contact 1-800-CALL-FBI. And I am telling you, when you hear this sweet Mama Deborah's voice, you will just... I swear to hug her. Yeah, your heart will absolutely break. And I loved, I also love, too, that the family was like, we are not giving up hope. We will never give up hope. Yeah, so say something funny. All right. Now, I know I didn't invite you to Disney World this time, Mm -hmm. but I... I am going to the city MD for my annual STD panel. Would you like to come with me to that? <laughs> bow, 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 bow. baby you know i don't hold grudges there's you a just, lollipop at the end you just become irrelevant <laughs> Hardly. i got i got a list of new best friends <laughs> jake on facebook was like listen I, I don't mean to be opportunist but if joey's out of the picture can i sneak on in there good luck jake you'll need it <laughs> also let me give you our code for uh better help you'll need that too <laughs> <laughs> no i'm glad you had fun without me um <laughs> you down bitches where is she oh god bless this family bless this family I, I really I really hope that they get answers one day I really want that for them yeah well we are coming towards the end of obsessed with disappeared my friends do you want to know what we're doing next you're gonna have to wait and find out but thank 
you so much. Don't forget to join the Patreon if you want our bonus content or our ad-free content or to be on our close friends circle. Also, we have some questions because we have some great announcements coming up for the West Coast after Christmas. So look out for those announcements. Please follow us on social media. You can follow the podcast on Disappeared Pod. You can follow Joey on It's Joey Taranto. You can follow me at Ellen Marsh. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Tell them about the Facebook page. You can find us on the Facebook page. It's called Obsessed with Disappeared. Hot. The Obsessed with Di- I'm upset that we are a podcast and we have a page. Go visit it. That's me banging my head against the microphone. We do love engaging with you. This community means so much to us, and it has only worked so well and because of you. And we are so grateful to all of our down bitches. Love you, Joey. We love you, and I love you too, Yellow Marie Marsh. Love you. Bye. Bye. The state of Texas. Listen, don't judge are me. Are you going to be okay? Don't judge me. I can see that pimple from space. And right I can now. see those Mickey ears really fucked you up. The lack of eating the Mickey ears. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. No, you go. Finish your thought. I was going to tell anyway, you. Anyway, so what I was going to say was. <laughs> you know the confectionery is my favorite. Yes, you I do. You know I can smell those cookies from a mile away. Well, that. Did you know it. I do. And that one they didn't have. You're a liar. Remember when In we In fact, when I got there, they were like, we are fresh out of Mickey-shaped ears dipped in chocolate. No, but like, you know. Oh, what is that pimple from? I've it's never. It's an ingrown hair. I'd rather it. I'd rather have an ingrown hair. I'm not going to say it. What? What were we going to say? Nothing. You were going to say something mean, and then you were like, oh, she's fragile. No. <laughs> 